Mandy Yakich from Creative Matters, and you're listening to Creative Matters On Air, where I have conversations with new and established artists from around New Zealand. I love to listen to artists' stories and learn about their creative process, and maybe you do too, which is why I've made this podcast, to inspire, inform and educate. I hope you can take away something positive and encouraging from each of these amazing stories to help you on your own creative journey. Welcome to Creative Matters episode 33. It is so good to be back and thank you very much for joining me. Today I'm talking to photographer and fine arts printer John Botton. John is a South African-born fine art photographer. He's also an entrepreneur and self-confessed technical geek and is the founder and CEO of Print Art Fine Art Imaging, a company well known and loved by many New Zealand artists. In John's words, the creative process has always been a weird and wonderful thing to experience, but it is always underpinned by a feeling. John is a true supporter of artists and their process. He sees his fine art printing business as much as a printing business as an enabling business for artists and photographers. He's a people person and he has created a community amongst New Zealand artists. John shares his passion for Namibia, the dichotomy of desert environments, his small business learning curves, his perception of failure, the importance of having a mentor and how the artists he works with inspire him so much. You can see his beautiful photographic images on our blog, which is on our website, creativematters.co.nz, and also on John's website, johnbotton.com. Hello, John. Hi. (laughs) Hello, Mandy. (laughs) Great to see you. Thank you, and thank you for inviting me to be part of your amazing journey. Oh, look, you're very welcome, and you're very much part of my journey, I would say. So it's lovely to have you here and be talking to you. Welcome to Creative Matters. Thank you. Okay, so John and I, we kind of do know each other from, I think we met maybe three years ago, um, and we just met sort of through, I think through artists that I knew, who knew you. Knew you. Oh, Tanya, I think. Tanya was Tanya one of Blanc. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, over the years since then, we've just kind of bumped into each other a lot. And then I ended up bringing you my artwork um, to print art as well. And, um, and yeah, we've become friends. And so it's really nice to, uh, to have you here. Thank you very much. Okay, so let's get started. I know that you were born in South Africa, John. So can you tell us about your childhood and your journey to New Zealand? Well, yes, I was born in Pretoria and um, in, in South Africa in, this, uh, in 1960, in fact, so that gives my age away. Um, and, uh, you know, very um, undramatic childhood growing up and in terms of art, very little art in the family, except my grandfather was the curator of the Pretoria Art Gallery. Uh, sorry, my great-grandfather. And my grandfather's house was always full of paintings that he had um, inherited from his father, um, various artists. Um, and so there was always art around, but the, the, the practice of art wasn't really part of growing up. 
So it was it was around me, but uh, there was no direct um, active influence in what I was doing. Yeah. What sort of child were you? Um, I think growing up until I was um, into my formative years, well, my teens, I was probably um, very average, you know, um, compliant and average and um, uh, a little sporty, uh, um, not very musical, although I always had aspirations of being a, a musician. Um, and then I was a little terrorist when I was a teenager, so I was always <laughs> in trouble. I had two two older uh, siblings, sisters, and one younger sibling, a brother. And so I had that sort of middle child syndrome, uh, you know, always battling for attention. Um, so, uh, you know, it was, uh, I think my brother came along when I was five. So I had five good years of being the baby. Uh, and then after that, it was a battle, you know, so it was. Um, yeah, I'm a middle, middle child as well, so I feel your pain. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, at high school, were you actually taking creative subjects at that time or had you not kind of discovered it? You know, I, I remember growing up, I was always drawn to um, more graphic art than, than um, I suppose, creative art. And I remember decorating my cupboard doors with uh, a reproduction of the Who logo. So I spent hours, you know, penciling out and um, the, the lines and painting it um, and had lots of fun. I mean, I, I got into a bit of trouble <laughs> <laughs> painting onto our, our, uh, our cupboard doors. But um, so that was, uh, that was um, my earliest memory of just spontaneous creativity. Um, and then I think around early 70s, a Rocky Horror Picture Show arrived and I did a, a big poster of the, the lips, um, which somebody pinched, I think. Uh, one of my, my sister's boyfriends took a fancy to it and, and bullied it out of me. So um, off that went. Um, and then there was a long hiatus in creativity. I, I dabbled a bit um, in, in painting. I always had aspirations of being an artist and I always after the first few attempts gave up because it was too hard um, or I just didn't get the results I wanted immediately. So um, it was, it was um, a difficult birth, uh, my mm. creative process. Mm. That's interesting, isn't it? I was probably in my late teens, early twenties when I discovered photography uh, in a serious way. Before that, um, I mean, I'd seen cameras around the house and, um, but they were they were just for recording family snaps. They weren't a creative um, process uh, or tool. Um, and it was only um, in my early twenties that I, I I picked up a camera and started seeing the world um, through a lens or you know through through different eyes and began to um, realize that I was quite good at composing or understanding composition. Mm. Uh, and lighting so uh, that was the beginning of it mm. and what were you actually doing at that time what was your your job well I, I trained um, I was a school dropout I left school after I think it was um, year 10 in South Africa it was Saturday eight. Um, I was a very difficult academic student um, and I didn't, I didn't enjoy the discipline of school and um, I became an apprentice uh, fitter and turner which I finished and but while I was studying, uh, sorry, while I was doing uh, my apprenticeship, I was going to college, and I loved um, 
that, you know, the, the, the academic side of what I was doing um, was very stimulating and um, I thrived on that. So I, I, I finished my senior diploma in engineering and um, qualified as, as a fit-turn turner. Oh, wow. That's interesting. So sort of creativity with metal, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. And machinery. I mean, so the, yeah, the, mechanical, still, the mechanical brain has always been there. And it's still, yeah, it's still but it's still a very creative job, isn't it? Um, it, it, it kind of, I think it brings out my geekiness, you know, so I'm, there's a creative side, but there's also a very strict discipline um, in engineering. You know, everything is quite precise. Um, but at the same time, this the problem solving is a creative process. So it, it marries quite nicely my geekiness and my creativity. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And so when you were, how long were you doing that kind of work for? So I, I lasted as a, as a fit interner for about two years. And eventually got tired of um, workshop life, early hours. Um, well, I mean, we started work at seven in the morning, finished at five in the afternoon, and it was quite grueling. And I, I yearned for a, a more sophisticated life, you know, in an office environment. So I became a draftsman for a while, or a learner yeah. draftsman. Wow. Um, and eventually that didn't quite work the way I thought it would be. Um, it's not creative. It's really quite tedious um, and back then it was all um, hand drawn on, on drawing boards so it was you know it was a tedious process of 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 redrawing the same thing over and over um, if it was incorrect um, yeah and then eventually I left there did a bit of sales and um, uh, in between that I'd, I'd picked up a video camera in fact a friend of um, my wife Tina's. Uh, he he had a camera and showed me how video cameras worked, and I got quite interested in that. And so started a small business called Canon Productions. Um, just one day, you know. Really? Oh <laughs> and, my goodness! Uh, bought bought a, a video camera and a recorder and and started hawking myself as a as a video a videographer. Wow! And um, so that was my first little business, and I. It wasn't commercially um, massive success, but it was a great learning uh, process. And again, it sort of married my geekiness you know, in technology with the creative uh, process. Mm, yeah, um, and you can see how that's kind of carried on through your life, hasn't it? I mean, all the other yeah. businesses that you've had are very much, you know, connected to that kind of early experience. Exactly the same. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's a, that's a common thread. In, in fact, even now, it's a, you know it's a common thread through um, what I do, the things mm. that I like doing. Yeah, and you're very entrepreneurial, obviously. So you sort of you've got that business side, the creative side, but also the the geeky side. Yeah, it's kind of it's it's a good fit. Yeah, because you know, you've got to, you've got to have one. Yeah, you've got to have one and the other. You know, I think it's a sort of yin and yang. Um, fit for me in mm. that balance. And so how what was happening with your photography at that time? Were you, you know, from the beginning when you first picked up that camera, did it kind of continue over time and develop or how did that how did that play out? So my my first I remember um going off to the local racetrack and photographing motorcycles going around. And I mean I had a terrible little hand, I think it was like a happy snappy um camera. And that um, obviously didn't have the right lens and it didn't have the right controls to do what I was doing, but I was quite interested in, in exploring different aspects of it. 
And it wasn't until I went on a trip to Mauritius, a um, working trip. I was, I was actually commissioned to do a promotion for a hotel. And <clears throat> I went walk about in Port Louis, um, the main little town, with my camera. In fact, I borrowed my mother's camera. She had a very nice Minolta. And I borrowed her camera for the trip. And um, I, I grabbed some black and white film and I walked around the streets and I became a street photographer. So that sort of really um, piqued my interest in, in, in exploring um, the visual aspect of our everyday life, you know, mm. capturing it. Mm. Um, and in fact, I still look back at those photographs and kind of realize that was almost like a genesis. It was like the beginning of, of the journey. Up until then, I was just messing around. Mm. And that was you- the first serious um, yeah. Shutter release. Amazing. And and what was it, do you think, that sort of got you in that different sort of frame of mind or different mindset with your photography from, you know, someone who just liked to take some photos to suddenly thinking, actually, you know, I mean, did you actually think that you could do something with, with this talent? I never had aspirations to be a photographer, a, a serious commercial photographer. In other words, someone being paid for taking pictures. Um, for me, it was it was a creative outlet. And um, I think having a camera that gave me control over what I was doing, or some control, in other words, a lens um, that, that I could... Um, you know, isolate a small aspect of the street scene and, and photograph and the, the controls of the camera to get the right shutter speed and the right um, depth of field, uh, et cetera. So I think that was what really sparked it, uh, mm. was, was just having the right tools um, to, to explore what I was seeing. Yeah. And, I mean, were you always kind of initially responding to a place is that what you were doing to start with with your photography yeah being in a foreign place was definitely a a catalyst and and I think it when you travel you see things with fresh eyes as opposed to when you around your everyday environment Um, so traveling was one aspect of of photography that that it was probably the catalyst, you know, the, the, the traveling and, and having the right equipment. Um, I think that was where the spark or the, 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 the spark ignited a small flame. Mm, yeah. And then from there, um, I mean, obviously your, your business side sort of was developing and we'll talk about that later, but um, how did the photography continue to develop over the years? Um, yeah, I, I continued as a as a, a video producer for a number of years. I actually, uh, you know, the, my little business was struggling along. I didn't really have the business acumen to to drive it. And um, again, Tina came in one day and said, "Oh, there's a there's a position available at um, the local university looking for a producer," and I applied and got the job. So obviously, someone recognised my potential and um, gave me an opportunity. And I was with Fitz for five years. So that was, you know, from a creative point of view, that was a big release because the academic environment was much more um, open to creative suggestion or to interpretation. 
Um, although working with the sciences was very disciplined, um, but working with a, a wide variety of people really, I think there was quite a maturing experience for me um, in, in that environment. So it, it, was, it was always creative. There were a lot of creative people around me, um, the other producers, and we worked a lot with the drama department on campus, did a lot of um, co-productions with them. And um, while I was there, I, I met or made friends with Joe, who was the local, well, the, the university photographer. So she was responsible for, um, you know, photographing events on campus, um, uh, various, uh, be they academic or be they uh, ceremonial. And she invited me into the darkroom. So she gave me full access to the the university darkroom, which was so beautifully equipped. Up until then, I had worked in my makeshift darkroom at home, um, you know, turning the bathroom into a darkroom. Mm. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. To, so you uh, actually, you were, you were doing your own development right so, from early on. Yes, I was. So I was uh, developing and printing film um, from quite early on. But having access to the darkroom on campus was like, uh, it was incredible. So I would go up there at lunchtime and spend an hour, um, you know, just immersed in that whole, uh, again, the geeky side of photography, you know, the uh, getting getting the printing, um, understanding the printing and the different chemicals and different papers. And uh, Jo was incredibly supportive. She would give me lots of um, encouragement and made equipment available that normally I, would, I wouldn't have access to, so it was great. Oh, that's so good. Isn't it interesting how you know, the planets align and it just, all these things kind of, these opportunities came up and kind of guided you through into your into your practice and and your future career too, I guess. Uh, I think it was definitely a springboard. You know, it was definitely a solid foundation. I mean, while I was there, um, I also had access to the library uh, on campus and I I'm embarrassed to say I still have a couple of books from the library. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> but, but um, yeah, I, I, I discovered two books there that I, I really struggled to return. And the one was Ansel Adams, um, uh, just a, a journey through some of his photographic uh, experiences and talking about some of his images, um, which, I mean, he's still one of my heroes um, and, and a great pioneer in, in photography, especially landscape photography. And um, another was uh, a book on alternative photography. And that took me into an, a, a new realm of doing things like cyanotypes. Um, so it's basically using not, not household chemicals, but um, alternative chemical, in fact, very old chemical um, recipes for creating images. So things like gum dichromate. Um, oh, wow. So I dabbled in that for quite a while. Mm. And very geeky and technical, mm. but very yeah. frustrating. Yeah, I don't know very much about that kind of thing. So did you do lots of different sorts of processes with your with your photographs? Were you quite sort of experimental with, with using different sorts of chemicals over time? Yeah, so so that was um, I was always looking for a different look, you know, a different outcome, a different um, a different happy accident um, in the darkroom or wherever I was, I was producing images. Um, you know, like cyanotypes, um, 
you expose the negative in, in sunlight. So, uh, you know, it relies on, um, it's not exactly a precise process. It's um, very much a spontaneous, you know, when you think it's had enough, you take it out of the sun. And sometimes it's worked and sometimes it hasn't. And um, But yeah, so, and then in the darkroom, you know, doing multiple exposures with different negatives and getting different effects like solarization. Yeah, so that was always a, a fun journey mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, I love the sound of that. I mean, it feels like a, it's almost like the same kind of process as an abstract painter might go through. And um, it, it was driven by just looking for something different, you know, it were, mm. not being happy with a conventional um, everyday yeah. outcome. Yeah, and I like the idea of not being sure what the outcome is going to be. You know, sort yeah. of working through and, and different things happen sort of slightly out of your control at times and, yeah. That's what I loved about the chemical side of photography. You know, when you in the darkroom um, to correct correct uh, an exposure, sometimes you do lots of dodging and burning. So you have all sorts of methods of, of um, overexposing one area and underexposing another. And um, it was lots of fun. You know, so mm. It was almost like a production or an orchestration uh, when you're in the darkroom. Yeah, sounds amazing. So um, just going back, I mean, how did you actually end up in New Zealand and, and when did you come out here from South Africa? Okay, so we'll have to leapfrog a little. So, yeah. uh, I mean, the creative, uh, the photographic journey really, I think up until um, – the 80s, um, I, I went on a long sabbatical um, through mostly work. Um, I, I got quite sidetracked into um, into the online business, so the internet world, and still creative and geeky and technical, but um, the creative process of photography was just put on the sideline uh, for quite a while. And then I met, uh, and so in fact, in 94, uh, we migrated from Johannesburg to Cape Town, where I started Printworks. Oh. Uh, but on that journey, I took a little detour via Namibia, which is a neighboring country, and discovered the desert. And um, that's probably been my happy place since then. It's um, that arid, um, stark landscape Um it it really speaks to me. So it was uh, it was a happy um, discovery, and um, it remains so. So um, it's it's always been a, a place where I can find um, peace, uh, but yet massive creativity. It's it, it's very challenging, uh, inspiring. Mm. And your desert photos, we've got some on your blog, which is on our website. But um, yeah, your desert photographs are incredible. And is it just Namibia in particular or desert in general that you're interested in? Desert in general. So I, I did a trip to Israel um, a couple of years ago and we went into the Negev. And um, again, you know, just that that um, arid landscape really appeals to me. Mm. Um, in fact, even in New Zealand, there's some landscapes that you drive through that aren't the lush, typical New Zealand, you know, forested areas. They... they um, they also quite appeal in a different way. Mm, um, what is it? Do you think that that appeals so much? I, I don't know. I, um, I think it's the simplicity of it. You know, it's um, it's simple yet complex. Um, it's this dichotomy. 
um, of perception. So when you look at it, you know, you just see sand dunes, for example, but when you study them, you discover nuances and subtleties and detail that um, at first glance you miss. Um, so it, it, it sort of invites a second and third investigation. Um, and, you know, wherever you appear to find, you know, a barren landscape with no plants, when you look carefully, you'll actually find um, a lot of life, a lot of um, survivors that, that eke a living out of um, what, what looks like a barren, a barren place. So that, that really appeals to me. Mm. And there's so much sort of beautiful form and shape, isn't there, in, in the desert? Yeah, it's the way the light describes the landscape, I think, mm. for me that, mm. that appeals. Yeah. So we're um, hopping around a little bit, but <laughs> after the Namibia experience, um, and you obviously started your an, a, a printing business, Printworks, in South Africa. So were you there for a little while with that business and then you came to New Zealand, or how did that work? Yeah, so Printworks was back in the early 90s. Um, that was my first business, serious business, I think, um, uh, that I embarked on. And it, it would have been probably quite a successful business, but I had no clue in running a business. So we overstaffed, we overcapitalized, we didn't manage our cash flow, and um, I was involved in a partnership, and the partnership didn't go very well. So uh, it was a big learning curve. Um, yeah. It was probably my best business lesson ever um, is, is how to do it, but how not to do it. Yeah. Um, and then I went on, a, uh, as I said, from there, the internet started happening and I got sucked into a long um, or sidetracked, I suppose, into not doing, I don't think it was sidetracked. It was more like a, a new adventure, um, discovering, um, you know, coding and bringing graphic and, and, and code together. Oh. Um, so, so again, marrying that geeky with the creative, mm, yeah, you know, and and that was a lot of fun. So I, it was a great journey. I enjoyed that. Mm. And the the year. business journey. I mean, it's I think you know from a small business owner myself, I understand, you know, the learning that's required, and and often that first business is the kind of part of the journey, you know, an important part of the journey, the learning journey, and you do often make mistakes that first time, which, you know, happened to me as well. And then once you sort of figure out what you actually need to do and start again with a new business, I think I think that's that's quite a, um, a rich way to work in a way, even though it, it can be depressing when you're actually not, you know, the first business isn't going so well. But, yeah, yeah. Look, it's, it's you know, for me it's, at the time, yes, it was very frustrating and and um, it was depressing. But looking back, it was it was a massive lesson. It mm. was a, yeah, it was it was an important important part of the journey for me is understanding the failure and what failed and how it failed and learning from it. You know, so it's, um, I suppose like any process, um, you know, failure is a key to success. It's a key to um, change something and and improve it. Yeah, uh, you know. So you know, if you look at all all um, outcomes, if they're not littered with failure along the way, um, I don't think they're very robust. You know, I think they they're fragile. So yeah, failure I think produces a really strong outcome. 
Yeah, um, and it's, yeah. it's it's what you do with the failure, or you know, with the experiences. Yeah, that um, that counts, and and how you get your head around, you know, maybe a more negative experience, and then how you turn it around to becoming a positive part of your journey. And I, and I see that every day, you know, artists working with a concept and and struggling with it, and and producing what they see as failures, but learning from them. You know, mm. um, and and when they eventually, you know, discover that um, eureka moment or that um, you know, something that really works, it's from the failures. You know, it's yeah. from understanding the failures and yeah, um, and it's we, about em- embracing that whole journey, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so always- I want to just jump back quickly. Um, yeah. So I've, I've got a. Um, I th- yeah, photographically, we just go back to the photography. Um, you know, up until a certain point, I was really self-taught and um, and discovering. Uh, it's, photography is a very technical uh, process, but also the, a very creative process. Again, back to that dichotomy and uh, of the technical and the and the creative. And um, I met. Um, a photographer in, in the village where we lived in Hart Bay called Peter Corbett. And we, uh, I, someone said, oh, he's a photographer, you should chat to him. And I went and had a coffee with him once, uh, one morning, and we, we chatted photography. And um, I said to him, well, you know, have you been to Namibia? And he said, no, what's that? You know, he, he was an Englishman, so he spent a lot of time around the Cape uh, where we lived, um, the Cape area. Um, so I arranged a trip to go to back to Namibia, to the same place I'd um, I had previously been, and that was the probably a masterclass in photography for me. Was working with Peter. Peter was a very um, accomplished photographer, landscape photographer, and um, and he taught me more than anybody else. So um, it was like going from apprenticeship to masterclass or from, you know, first year varsity to PhD um, mm. in a very short space of time. Um, and, uh, you know, he used to, we used to stand on the side of a mountain or wherever we were taking photographs. And I would get so frustrated because I couldn't understand the different settings and, the, and the, I wasn't getting the results that I wanted. And he would just stand next to me, you know, very casually, and he would just chuckle, you know, just laugh at me. And and eventually, I would ask him, and he would give me some pointers, and I'd put those into practice. And and that continued for years. Um, we worked together on various road trips, and um, I think that just propelled my technical understanding of photography um, to a point where I was able to express what I was feeling or capture what I was seeing. Um, mm. in a way that that satisfied me you know so so um, having a mentor I think is is such an important part of the creative process because it's not just the creativity I think it's the technical understanding of your of your tools and what you're doing um, the medium that you're working in it doesn't matter what medium it is um, having a mentor or, or having someone to guide you to your own um, your own, style and and um, expression uh, is quite important. Yeah, yeah, I agree. 
And so what was it for you that photography was doing? I mean, obviously you enjoyed the process and you enjoyed certain places, but what did it bring to you as a person? It was always a, um, a creative outlet. I worked in, in various fields where um, there was a lot of pressure, um, a lot of frustration. And for me, just grabbing a camera and walking outside was a way to um, just release um, the stress. You know, it, was a, it was a de-stressor. Um, you know, even now, if I pick up, even if I pick up my phone and look through the, the lens and and take a picture, it 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 immediately relaxes me and focuses me on. Excuse the terrible pun, but focuses me on, you know, my my what I'm looking at or, or my surroundings, and I can actually, you know, let go of the the stress that I'm uh, dealing with. So um, that's it's always been that creative outlet. Mm, yeah. So just jumping back quickly to Peter Peter Corbett. So he was he was also the my mentor in in learning to print. So around the time that I was taking photography more seriously and um, going on um, much more adventurous road trips, um, I wanted to start printing. And so I bought my first um, Giclée printer. Giclée meaning it's a wide gamut, uh, multicolor. It's got twelve different ink colors, so it has quite a lot of um, coverage of the of the color spectrum, and um, again, you know, frustration at learning how to print and and you know interpreting what you see on the screen and getting it onto paper uh, was was a bit frustrating. And choosing the right paper, choosing the right technical process to actually print the image. And Peter guided me through that. So we ended up working together in Cape Town. Um, he had started a fine art gallery, photographic gallery. I was still working um, in my business in, in Cape Town, which is a, a real estate online um, vertical uh, portal. And that was very consuming uh, in terms of time. Uh, I didn't have much free time uh, around that. But uh, Peter... Um, he was retired and looking for a way to advance his own photographic career and decided that gallery was a good way to go. So he started his own gallery and the two of us would uh, print and uh, images and uh, curate them uh, for his gallery. So that was the beginning into the fine art printing. Mm. And again, a masterclass in, in learning how to print. Um, Peter was also a very experienced printer. He'd been printing for many years. Um, so it was it was um, wonderful to sit at his side and and learn um, the nuances of printing and how to extract the best possible result from a digital image. Mm, how amazing! Yeah, and then um, so it, just after that, I I sold my business in Cape Town, and Tina and I went camper vanning for two years um, around South Africa. So we packed our bull mastiffs into a camper van, we had two, <laughs> wow. two and and the camera. Oh my goodness. And we spent two years just wandering around South Africa, going from uh, we, we just travelled spontaneously. We we never had a real plan of where we were going, and most of our destinations were from chatting to locals or from other people, and they mm. mentioned a place that was interesting, and we'd go off there. Wow. Oh, that's my dream holiday! How incredible! Uh, and it gave me time to to spend with my camera, you know, every yeah. day, just about I was outside 
um, in a different location, new mm. place, um, street photography, landscape photography, um, whatever took my fancy. You know, so um, animals. We we did quite a lot of traveling around um, around the national parks. So a lot of animal photography. Mm. And do you, do you ever actually um, photograph people, John? I do. Yeah, I do. Like um, I actually, I actually enjoy photographing people, but I'm, I, I find it very confrontational, um, and it, it takes a lot of, I think, courage to confront someone and and extract something from them that they don't even know they have, or a side of them, or a look from them that they often keep um, private. You know, and um, that for me is a, is a great challenge, uh, and I would love to do more of that. Mm. But it's confronting myself. Mm, yeah, and I guess there's yeah. more interaction with people than um, you know with landscapes and animals. Well, um, look, landscapes don't move. You know, so they they're wonderful subjects. They, they, don't, they don't answer <laughs> they, back. And they, they don't, don't argue. You, <laughs> they don't they don't give you attitude, but they're certainly challenging. Um, you know, as as the light changes, the landscape changes. Uh, one thing I learned from Peter was um, don't stand in the same place for too long because um, every time you move, you see something different. You see the world from a different perspective. So, um, you know, if you're a landscaper and you're just standing in one place and you see one view, um, you're missing so much. You know, as I always say, look behind you. Uh, look up and look down, you know, and um, and take ten steps to the left or right, or you know, pick a spot somewhere and just head for it, and mm. then look around, you know. And and when the light's changing very quickly, um, it's hard work. Um, you know, when you're carrying around all your equipment um, and you and you're continuously moving to find a different vantage point or a different point of view, mm. um, yeah. So that so that just popped into my mind no that's so true and uh, what is it about your you know what what do you particularly like to capture I mean you've talked about light but is there anything is there one thing or a couple of things that really drives you to to capture or to kind of attain from from what you're what you're looking at through your photography no um I think it's it's a way to express myself, what I'm feeling. So it, my, my photography has changed um, when, when I was discovering the desert or the arid regions. Um, um, I think that piqued my interest in, in learning how to see a landscape um, and create, uh, visually create a, um, a vista or a, a, an image from, mm. from that. My composition. Um, Composition and but equally, um, you know, photographing people or photographing an object or a sport, um, it's capturing the essence of what you're seeing. Um, that's what I what that's what I strive for. Mm. And I guess it's sort of recording a moment in time for you as well. Yes. Um, the shutter. I mean, it might be a very short moment. But it, um, it it sometimes is a lifetime of of learning to get to that point, um, you know. So although the moment is fleeting, it's um, it encapsulates a journey, 
uh, or a point in time in the journey mm, um, yeah. that's also changing. Yeah, and it's kind of recording your own personal journey of what you're doing and who you're with and where you've been, which is that to me is is the beautiful part of photography, isn't it? Really, it is. Yeah, and I, I look back on my on my catalogue and um, you know fondly remember my early. Um, I suppose uh, um, scratchings or you know um, grapplings with my creativity and seeing the world and and you know as I progress progressed um, you can and also look back and and see how far you've come you know mm, that's, um, yeah and how do you feel like your photographs have evolved over the years. I still love looking at my early pictures, my early images, and 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 more recent ones. You know, so the the great thing about photography is um, I can I can recall quite clearly the emotion and the feeling uh, of when I took the picture of most of them. Some of them I can have looked at them going, well, no idea about that one. You know, because <laughs> maybe a snapshot or something is just taken without real intent. Uh, but most of my images, I can reconnect quite clearly with with the emotion and uh, with the feeling uh, of looking through that lens and 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 seeing that scene. Mm. Yeah, so it's uh, it's quite a personal reconnection with mm. a lot of uh, with a journey. You know? yeah. yeah. And so, when you arrived in New Zealand, what happened then? So yeah, we we. Um, spontaneously just decided to emigrate here. My sister lived here and my brother had just emigrated to New Zealand. And the main reason was my son and his two uh, wife and two children who lived with us in South Africa for a year came home one day and said, we're moving to Australia. <laughs> so we, um, you know, we thought, okay, well, let's look at, at that opportunity, you know, just see if there's something happening in mm. terms of Australia or New Zealand. Mm. Wow. That's a big move and a pretty quite a common move for South Africans to come this way, isn't it? Well, um, Australia was big and scary and full of Australians, so um, <laughs> well, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> um, you know, in, in hindsight, it's, um, it's full of landscape as well, um, you know, and, and amazing landscape. But um, we looked at, at Australia and New Zealand and New Zealand, just felt like a better fit. We, we spent some time in both countries and it just felt like a better fit in terms of culture and um, opportunity. Um, so in New Zealand, it was it, you know, that was the, our choice. And I arrived here with a work contract, which lasted three months and I was made redundant. Um, so I suddenly, there was, you know, uh, 50 something and um, not very desirable in terms of the job market. And um, after several interviews, in fact, very few interviews and several, you know, plenty of um, applications. Mm. Um, Tina said to me, uh, why don't you just start your printing business again? And I brought my, my printers with me and set them up to do my own <clears throat> personal printing. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, so print art was born in my garage in Auckland. How amazing. Um, and it, it, the first few years were hard. You know, it's a difficult to start a business, as you know, um, from scratch. And New Zealand is quite a small market. 
Um, it's not exactly um, America or South Africa or, or Australia for that matter. Mm. So it, it took a lot, uh, quite a long time to grow um, the business and set it up and and understand the supply chain challenges in New Zealand because um, because it's so far away from everywhere. It's expensive to uh, find materials and uh, the right stock. So it, it took a long time to set the business up. But once it was going, I mean, I think I have quite a few of my very first customers are still customers of mine. So Yeah, and I don't doubt that for a minute because, um, you know, just for the people listening who don't know you, John, um, I think a huge part of what you do in your fine art printing business is connecting um, artists, supporting artists, um, supporting that sort of artistic community in general and creating new communities sort of within that. And, you know, you, you, what you provide is, is so much more than a service. You know, I think everybody I know who works with you, all the artists you're involved with are, you know, you, you develop, it becomes like a big family in a way, which is pretty rare. And it's a beautiful part of your business, I think. So, you know, print art, um, when I started the business, it was um, doing something that I, I love doing. It's um, it's a technical and creative business. And I soon discovered that um, the one thing that print art does is it, it, it enables um, artists and photographers to to take a step into sometimes the unknown for them. A lot of artists are starting out um, in their journey of creating prints. And um, it's a scary process because it's for, for many of them, it's unknown. Um, they, they don't know how to create the digital images. They don't know what sort of paper to use. They don't know where or what quality of paper they require or where they're going to sell prints or if they're going to sell prints. Um, so it's, it's, um, it's really a supporting um, service that, that encourages artists to, to explore alternatives. Um, so I think, you know, printing, almost anybody can print. You just push the button and it comes out of the printer. Um, that's the easy part. The difficult part is, um, is guiding people to what they actually need. Um, many artists arrive with an idea in mind and after chatting and discussing, they realize that maybe what they were after was not exactly what they wanted. So it's really just, it's, it's supporting um, our, our customers. Um, I don't like to use the word customers because, um, you know, they're, they're like part of a family. You know? mm. um, we, we involved in, um, in part of their creative journey, and that's, uh, that's such a privilege. And so they're not really customers. They're more like um, we're more like a team, you know. So yeah. we we just form part of of their um, extended team, yeah, in, in providing uh, what they need. Mm, and that's so true. And it's um, I think that is is quite a unique part of what you offer, you know. And I'm not sure how many other businesses like yours offer that sort of real deep connection with people and um and you really kind of pick you know especially people who are quite new to making work you know you 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 sort of nurture them and support them and make them feel 
comfortable because it is quite a scary thing sometimes coming to to get prints made so you're bringing your original work and you're you know feeling a bit more exposed potentially some people um, and then obviously you're working with very experienced established artists as well so you know it's it must be amazing for you to have that family of artists it's incredible you know every day for me it it never feels like work it never I don't think I ever wake up in the morning and go, oh, I have to go to work. You know, as, uh, when I arrive at the studio, it's an, it's really just an extension of just what I do. You know, I just, mm. I, I love working with people. Um, uh, again, I'm, I'm a geeky sort of person, so I love um, exploring technical challenges and finding solutions to them. So that's uh, quite a big part of our, our business um, is, is making sure that we're, unpacking the technical and the scary part um, and and packaging it in a way for our customers or our, our artists and photographers that makes it less scary mm. and less intimidating. And, um, you know, we have a lot of people contacting us saying, well, I'm thinking of doing prints. Where do I start? You know, they have um, – the, they require guidance and they require a bit of uh, nurturing Um but um, they don't want to be intimidated mm, that's uh, right. by, by the technical side of things. So we, yeah. we, we we repackage it in such a way that it, we take all of that away mm, and, and you we really focus do. on the outcome. Yeah, and you know, you did that for me. It was such a new for me. It was it was a whole new idea of actually having prints of my work. I'd never done that, um, and it is quite daunting when you when you start thinking about possibly doing that with your own work, you're just not sure where to start. And, you know, you don't really, I didn't know anything very much about different techniques or different papers and, you know, to have somebody kind of, you know, wrap, wrap their arms around you to kind of make you feel like, oh, okay, maybe this can happen. And it is, is good for a beginning artist, especially. And, and that extends to even our experienced artists who um, either they, um, have started printing and and looking to extend that, or sometimes experienced artists who have never even printed before. So um, uh, we've we've had artists come back to us after a long break in printmaking, and their previous experience was offset printing, and they would have to go to a printer and and uh, you know print a thousand images or or you know impressions of their of their artwork to make it financially viable um, and that whole process and suddenly they come into an environment where it's on demand printing every every print will be you know pretty close to the previous print there's no degradation in in quality uh, there's no need to do long print runs um, you know so it's uh, it's finding the economy uh, for for our artists as well uh, it's not just about um, you know if you need an addition of 20, do you print all 20 at the same time? Mm, yes. so we, we, you know, we guide, we guide artists in terms mm. of how to manage the economy of it. Yeah, um, that's great. And, not, not, and the business side of their, of their art, uh, not just the commercials or just not just the artistic side. Yeah, and that is often daunting for, for lots of artists, isn't it? That side of things can be. So can you tell us, take us through that process of taking a photograph? <laughs> Okay, so um, 
When we first started digitizing images, we were using, uh, in fact, my my own personal camera, uh, which is a, a Canon DSLR, and um, analyzing it, I found it very limiting um, in in terms of its fidelity uh, because of the capture process. And I started investigating um, alternatives, and eventually came up with. Uh, the better light scan back, which is um, it's technology that has been around for about 15 years or 20 years. So it's not new technology, but the, the results are quite incredible. Um, and I've compared them to many other processes and I still rate um, that scanning process as uh, one of the best for capturing artwork because of its fertility and it, it's a very slow process. It takes about 15 to 20 minutes to capture uh, an image, but the, the quality of the image and the fertility is incredible. So it, it's very little retouching from our side, um, you know, post-production uh, retouching of the artwork. Um, but, you know, again, it's a very geeky technical <laughs> process um, that requires mm. a bit of nurturing. Yeah. And then you have it um, loaded in your system and then people decide on how, how they want it printed. So what are the different printing options? So for, for printing, you know, once, once we've digitized the artwork and, and got it ready for printing, um, a lot of our artists uh, use our drop shipping service. So they'll literally place an order, um, send us their customers' details, we'll print it, package it, package it. Uh, we'll include their own personal branding and and send it off to their customer. So they have very little involvement in the process um, other than getting the, the, the initial print uh, approved and ready for, for production. Mm, uh, um, so the printing process, all of our printers are wide gamut clay printers. Um, the only difference in printing would be the paper, uh, the quality of the paper. So we range from archival uh, cotton rags um, to a decor, um, it's a cellulose cotton blend paper. So it's not a pure cotton paper, but it's still good quality um, acid-free paper. Mm, wow, amazing. There's so much to it, isn't it? Isn't there? And it's it's amazing that you've you've actually, I mean, through listening to your journey, you, you've gone through, you know, different business experiences and now you've got your, you know, very successful business in in a, and you have a shop now, so you're out of your house and you, you're you're operating and very busy, aren't you, with print art? And then you've had your photographic sort of experience through your life, and that's connected with your business now. And um, and then your sort of geeky side with the technology and the the chemicals or the you know the processes that you're interested in have come together again with print art. And so it seems like just a beautiful culmination of of all your interests and experiences in a way it's it's yes it's like a recipe that's you know when it comes out of the oven it's um perfect you know so yeah, yeah. um it it's it's a combination of the journey and all the learning processes i've been through um and uh, as i said to me it's not work it's uh, mm. it's something i enjoy doing yeah and um i love the people i love working with people I love the technology, um, and I love the creative side. Mm. You know, so it's a it's a it's a perfect recipe for me. Yeah, it really is. It's so good, and um, you know you work so closely with with New Zealand artists. 
what do you notice about New Zealand artists? What what is there that what is it about New Zealand artists that you see a lot of in your day to day work? I think the the one thing that from the very beginning has struck me is how how New Zealand artists are obsessed with New Zealand. Yeah, I've noticed obs- that too. <laughs> they're, they're obsessed with the landscape, with the yeah. the fauna and flora, um, and the people. Um, so it's it's a it's an amazing celebration of a culture um, and and a multifaceted culture. You know, uh, growing up in South Africa, we had that was that was a melting pot of cultures. Um, mm. You know, besides the indigenous uh, populations, um, a lot of Euro um, influences and a lot of European migrants. Um, I'm not talking about the early settlers. I'm talking about you know through 80s, 90s, noughties, and into the Tens and twenties, um, a lot of our friends were expats from various parts of the, of the world, and arriving here, it's the same experience. You know, you have so many different cultures um, that blend. Um, so, you know, the indigenous uh, Maori cultures and the Pakeha, and then of course you know, the early settler cultures, and then later on, um, you know, the, a lot of the um, Asian cultures that have arrived here. So it's it's the same um, melting pot, but then you get this um, this intense expression of of kiwiness, you know, coming out of almost everywhere. You know, it's um, it's it's uh, quite delightful. Mm, it's really interesting, isn't it? Yeah, and it, um, the way they express it for me is uh, is a joy to see. You know, people walk in with artwork um, and. Yes, there's a lot of repetition, but then every now and again, someone arrives there with a completely different take on on a subject that you've seen fifty times before, mm. and it's, it's really you've got to just take a step back and go, "Wow, you know, that's um, I've never thought of looking at yeah. uh, that particular aspect of Kiwi life in yeah. that way." You know, and so, it must be. I mean, we spoke earlier before the interview about um, how sometimes some of the work that you see coming through your business inspires you and, you know, for your own creative practice. So can you tell us how that happens sometimes? Well, yeah, as we were talking about recently, um, I had Gay Webster come in and um, she's a very experienced artist and and worked in multiple disciplines, um, but she does these landscapes that, really intrigued me and as a, as a landscaper you know you can recognize the landscape but it's it's expressed in such a way that it's it's fast and loose and, and not quite deconstructed but it's abstracted in a way and um yeah then looking at your own work recently um you know again deconstructed landscapes and reconstructed in a very uh, precise way you know quite different but gets me thinking about you know is that my next journey is that my next little step in in discovery or creative um endeavor is to find a way to deconstruct the landscape photographically because Mm -hmm. you know you can do the camera movement aspect which is quite well done and i'm not going to even go there and you can do the traditional chocolate boxy kind of you know over processed landscape and i've done that and i'm not going back there 
Um, and you can explore it in black and white, and I've done that. And I'm not going back there. But I'd like to go forward to finding a way to relook at the landscape in a way, in a fresh way, um, finding ways to photographically capture it, but deconstruct it and reconstruct it somehow. I have no mm. idea how. So that's, mm. that's part of my challenge. Yeah. So yeah. watch the space maybe in the next year or two. Yeah. You may see something. Sounds interesting. And uh, just, you know, I remember you saying earlier in the podcast that you were quite into painting. So have you ever kind of dabbled into that again or have you been inspired to paint after seeing all these painters that you work with? No. <laughs> no, I'm terrified of, um, you know, I, I sketched quite a lot when I was younger. In fact, I still have a little book of, of sketches and I sketched people like Bruce Lee with his, you know, with his amazing torso and um, and sketched various other um, things that took my fancy. And um, so with a pencil, I might explore art, but... When it comes to pigment, I've tried on a number of occasions. Um, in fact, I think my only real contribution to an artwork was our collaborative uh, <laughs> creative yeah. jam. That's right, yeah. And that's, that's another <laughs> and, story too. And squirting, you know, squirting piles of red ink onto a palette yeah. and smearing yeah. it onto the canvas, you know. So, uh, no, yeah. it scares me. Um, it scares scares me terribly to, to dabble in that. I, th I think it's just because I don't have the patience. Mm. And yeah. And perhaps it, it may be as a matter of finding the right tutor or mentor. Mm, uh, yeah, find that mentor like like Peter yeah. again. And yeah. also it's a time thing, isn't it? I mean, you know, you're yeah. very busy with your other things. So maybe when you're 85, John, <laughs> this will be something you can explore. Yeah. <laughs> the, thing I, the thing I love about photography is that, you know, it's 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 an instant feedback loop. Mm. Um, you know, you can have an idea and explore it very quickly. It's, um, or you can take a long time to explore it, mm. you know, so it doesn't have to um, be a happy snappy scenario, but it, it, it provides quick feedback so I can express an idea very quickly and yeah. get the feedback and, and, and begin that cycle of finding the sweet spot in it mm. or the, or the um, yeah, the, the magic in it. Mm. Uh, Whereas I think, you know, sitting down with a palette of paint and and constructing something on a blank canvas scares the hell out of me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny. So, uh, John, we're actually kind of almost running out of time, but there are a couple of things that I wanted to talk about as well. So if we just very, very super quickly touch on it, um, that is your art collective that you've established. So can you tell us about that? Art collective was born probably about three years ago. Um, and that would have been uh, 2018, 19. Um, you know, I'd been working with artists for a number of years through print art and realized that a lot of the artists, one thing they struggled with was marketing their artwork and getting it to market. And um, so Art Collective was born. It's really, it is intended to be um, a platform where artists can market and sell their work. Um, and after having set it up initially, I realized that it wasn't a walk in the park. It was going to take a lot of hard work and, um, and quite a lot of money to, to market that platform. 
Um, so it kind of idled along for a while, but recently we re reignited that um, flame and we have a bigger team now. So we have uh, more resources and um, thank goodness for lockdowns. Uh, I don't know if I should say that, but yeah, thank goodness for lockdowns because it gave us, you know, two months of uninterrupted time to work on Art Collective and mm. re, re um, launch it. And so that has now become um, a platform where artists can market their work. Mm. So it's kind of like an online gallery, isn't it, through a website? Exactly that, yeah. And it, and it supports only Kiwi artists and um, it's intended to be for, for artists, not for, uh, you know, quite a few of these websites um, sell prints and they source their material from, um, you know, various collections and well-known photographers and iconic images um, and they're really, it's pop art and it's, um, it's you know, it's um, decor wall art. But we intend to, you know, use Art Collective as a much more um, Kiwi-centric and um, original artwork platform. Mm, that's brilliant. So good. So I'll put a link to that at the bottom of your blog Thank post. You. And um, there are many other things that we could talk about. I really have to talk about Petal, your um, massive bull mastiff. <laughs> and I know that you're a real dog person, so am I. Um, and Petal, she hangs out in the office, in the studio at Print Art, doesn't she? And uh, is a big part of your life. And uh, you've had lots of bull mastiffs in the past, haven't you? Oh. oh. That sounds like that might be her. On cue. (laughs) (laughs) She's just responding to this. Hello, Petal. She's just responding. She's not going to be left out of this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. She's barking away. She's probably wanting to get in, John. You've locked her out for too long. I think so, yeah. Yeah. She's definitely missing me. Oh, well, Um, that's just part of the family, isn't it, I guess, Petal? And you've got your two amazing um, people, Nicola who works with you or, you know, as part of the team. Yes. Yeah, and Nicola and Kim. And Kim, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're wonderful members of the team. Um, they're I mean, amazing. Nicola was a, an absolute blessing when when the first lockdown ended and suddenly I was swamped um, with, with work. Uh, very grateful but very overwhelmed. And um, Nicola, she's a family friend. I've known her for many years, and she had been made redundant at the um, beginning of the lockdown. So I just approached her and said, hey, come and, you know, come and work. And she grasped that with uh, both hands, and um, she's just an absolute star to have in our team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I didn't realize that. No, she's amazing. And, and, you know, once again, you, you surround yourself with the right people who have those same sort of values and connect so beautifully with with people who come into the studio yeah absolutely yeah so it's um yeah so our little team is growing and uh i must also mention gail gail stent is the first person i met in new zealand other than my family um and she introduced me to the local photographic scene and uh the north shore photographic society and the Photographic Society of New Zealand, the PSNZ. And she's, yeah, she's been a great mentor and friend for many years, or in fact, since I've arrived here. Uh, and she's also part of our team. So she does our newsletters and um, she does the occasional video that we splash out on Instagram. Oh, that's so so we have a wonderful growing team. Yeah. So um, 
It is an amazing business and you've got such a beautiful practice and hopefully you'll continue with your own photography if you don't get too busy with print art now that you're um, such a popular guy with artists. Um, so what do you think is in the future for you, John? Um, well, one of, one of my plans is, uh, you know, grow print art to a point where I can step away for periods of time and travel. So that's that's the immediate um, objective. Um, T and I have always wanted to visit Europe, and hopefully by the time the pandemic sort of normalizes, we will be able to travel to Europe. Um, so the intention is go back to the campervanning um, part of our lives and go and you know buy a campervan, store it in Europe for uh, our use, and go over there for four or five months a year. Mm, and discover amazing. all the places that we, you know, missed as uh, mm. young adults um, with the young family. So we didn't quite do our OE. In fact, Tina did. She spent time in Germany mm. uh, as an OE, but I never quite got there. So we would love to you know, explore Europe and then maybe other areas mm. um, and yeah. New Zealand, you know, so it'll be a yeah. mix of New Zealand, Australia and Europe. Mm. And I imagine your your own practice will develop again like it did you know last time you did your camper vanning that could be a whole new you know a whole new opportunity for you as well you, yeah you never know it gives you time to think you know when yeah, you yeah. When you unhook from day-to-day -day, um, routines and pressures uh, it gives you time to imagine uh, a new universe or a new opportunity mm, and yeah. explore that yeah absolutely uh, yeah. All right. Well, on that note, with the with Petal barking in the background, she's obviously like, "Come on, John, you've been talking way too long." Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll wrap it up. But thank you so much for joining me, John. It's been really interesting to hear about your amazing journey, and um, I'm sure people listening will have found it really um, insightful hearing about the printing process. And um, yeah, it's been lovely to see you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mandy.